Fall is in the air. There's possibly no season more closely tied to farming in popular culture than the fall. For many Americans, fall suggests apple picking, pumpkin patches, or maybe pumpkin spice lattes. For many farmers, it means the culmination of the growing season and the harvest of, hopefully, a bountiful crop. Welcome to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. This episode will unpack what this fall means for farmers with sixth generation Texas farmer, Mr. Jim Shigarek. Jim is more than just a farmer. He's also the president of the Southwest Council of Agribusiness, representing a diverse set of farmers, ranchers, and agribusinesses and farm lenders. He also serves as vice president of the Texas Corn Producers Association. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. And I, I know this is a very busy time for you, but we're really glad that you're spending some time with us today. Thanks, Tom. Um, you know, on a farm, it's always busy, but we're happy to break away and visit with y'all when we have time. So thanks for having me. Well, it's great. And I, I know our listeners are going to love it. First, as president of, of uh, the Southwest Council of Agribusiness, you represent nearly half a million family farms in a growing region that delivers $250 billion in economic impact every single year. Can you just tell us a little bit more about the family farmers and ranchers that you represent through this organization and through the Texas Corn Producers? Well, Tom, if you think of the Southwest region, um, anybody who hasn't been here, no, you know, you're going to come up with your your main production crops, your corn, your cotton. But in reality, think how diverse this region is. You start in the Texas Valley and you have all the vegetables you can imagine. And you move to the east and you have rice production, you have timber, you have poultry. And then going west, you get on to West Texas and you have peanuts. Um, New Mexico, you have massive pecan production. Uh, the sure. region is so diverse, but one thing that brings it back, one thing all those farms share in common, and you said the word, they are family farms. They mm -hmm. are fathers and daughters, they're husbands and wives. Uh, they are families that are all trying to produce a great product for our nation. I love that. Yeah, it's, it is incredibly diverse in this region of the country. It's probably not the most well-known. It's not what most Americans' minds go to when they think of kind of the heartland and, and the agricultural pulse of our nation. They probably think more along the lines of, of the Midwest and Iowa, but it is an incredibly productive um, agricultural region. And, and, and tell me, Jim, I know the Southwest Council of Agribusiness, but just to kind of reinforce this, it's a lot of main street businesses that are coming around the producer groups. Isn't that right? They're trying to bring this broad coalition together from kind of the, the, the pulse and the heartbeat of these, these rural towns, the, the businesses that maybe uh, sell to and service the needs of the farmers or um, process uh, the goods after the harvest. Isn't, isn't that kind of the, the, the nature of the Southwest Council? Yeah, absolutely. In this part of the world, uh, rural towns thrive on agriculture, right? That That is the industry. So yeah. um, as part of Southwest Council, we have financial lending institutions, like you said, co-ops, uh, grain elevators, GNs, equipment dealers. These are all connected to production agriculture, right? And everybody is tied back to it, for sure. Yeah, and that that's how you get to this kind of 250 billion dollars in in new revenue by a region you know nationally the numbers are much higher than that when we talk about agriculture we talk about you know roughly uh, 
you know, a significant portion, almost 5% of our nation's GDP. And all that is based out of kind of the new creation of wealth, the, the family farmer planting the seed, taking the risk to plant the seed, cultivating it through the year, coming to a harvest. Uh, this creation of new wealth from, from seed, from the soil, from the sunlight uh, that produces a bounty that we celebrate in the fall. So Jim, as a sixth generation farmer, your family has deep roots in Texas agriculture. Tell me more about um, maybe just what farming means to you. You're in the middle, obviously, of, of harvest or down in, in, in your part of Texas. You've, you've probably got a lot out of the field already. How does it feel to climb into that combine or, or, or cotton picker and, and harvest an entire year's worth of work? Well, it, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting question because production agriculture is cyclical, right? We uh, Last year, we made one of the best crops we've ever made. And harvesting that crop is a fantastic feeling. Um, and you're grateful for that, right? And then... 22 rolls around and you hit one of the biggest droughts we've ever seen in this part of the world. And you're out there harvesting 30 bushel corn, which really brings you as a Christian brings you back into dependence upon your creator, right? You're just, my gosh, this is horrible. It's humbling. Let's say that. uh, One of the hard parts about a short crop, and, and we all know how vital crop insurance is, but you have every dollar in that crop. You know, it didn't rain, but you still fertilized. You still uh, took control of your weeds. You still have to harvest it. And most people wouldn't understand or don't understand, but harvesting a 30 bushel crop doesn't cost any less than harvesting a 300 bushel crop, right? Your combines are still out there. You're still going across every acre. It's a mental challenge, I guess is what I'm trying to say, knowing that you're spending that money for no return. Yeah. Yeah, financial challenge as well, particularly with with the input costs having done what they did this year. The even the even the diesel and the and the fertilizer certainly yeah cost of credit these days. Sure. So we we touched on the economic impact of ag in the Southwest, um, but for many small towns, agriculture is really the main economic driver. The entire town from small businesses like restaurants or, or hardware stores uh, to public services like schools or libraries or even these rural hospitals depend on the revenue and jobs brought in by farmers. You know this firsthand as, as you and your wife own a country store in, in your town. Can you just talk a little bit more about how a strong rural economy depends on a strong, strong ag economy and certainly maybe tie it back to, again, the difference between last year for you with a bountiful crop and 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 then this year oh tom in, in a rule you've said it correctly in a rural part of the world the town does revolve around agriculture i have a good friend who um, owns a car dealership in the town and mm-hmm. he will he probably has the best examples of wow when y'all when y'all struggle we struggle you know and that doesn't it's just not the car dealer it's the equipment dealer it's the the guy who owns the grain elevator that when we have a short crop, he only fills a tenth of his facility, right? It's uh, yeah. the little jewelry store in town. It's everybody. It, touch, it touches every vein of a small community, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So you you mentioned uh, already about the drought and the effect it's had this year, but it could, Jim, just as a farmer, could you, could you talk a little bit more about... Um, 
just just how this affects you know the the, the psyche and and um, and and your ability to go from one year to the next and and then maybe try and draw that a little bit to the importance of of farm policy. What what would it be like in the absence of any kind of farm policy um, uh, versus you know the the federal crop insurance, the disaster programs, the safety net that's designed to be there by 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 Congress. Well, your first question to the psyche of of operating a business yourself, and, and I think of a football team analogy. When you're coming off of a loss, um, going into the next game, to the next year, it is a challenge mentally. It's a challenge to um, to, to stay positive, to stay uh, with a positive outlook going into the next game or the next season. You know, when you're coming off of a big win or a big crop. Things are great, right? Um, yeah. But in as a farmer, I am challenged with trying to produce a crop tied back to weather, which I have little control over. Yeah. And I'm challenged with trying to sell that crop tied to price, which I have very little control over, which brings us to farm policy, right? I, I have no control over, little to no control over those two major factors, right? Mm -hmm. So a strong farm policy is extremely important to us. Yeah, and maybe just break that down a little bit as as you're as you're thinking about um, uh, the farm bill. Obviously, um, that's been an important piece of legislation that has that has helped you know you know thousands and hundreds of thousands and, and, and millions of, of farm families across this nation uh, for for generations. Not in a way that that makes them uh, dependent or or um, not attuned to the to the real uh, intricacies of of the marketplace. I mean, every farmer I know is is thinking about where they uh, you know what risks they can take to to build better for the future. That's the brilliance of this uh, family farm model. Um, but the farm bill does help take some of the edges off and 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 provide some help to these independent entrepreneurial family farms. Through the vagaries of weather, and sometimes even the actions of, say, foreign governments when they when they when we get into a trade war, or something like that, as as most nations want to have an independent uh, uh, group of farmers uh, within their nation that are providing for the needs, the basic needs of that nation. All right, I'm I'm droning on, but but we we've discussed a lot of the challenges that farmers face. I, I guess my question is, what are the some of the things that, that you might be looking for? In the next farm bill uh, that could perhaps strengthen the safety net or update it uh, for kind of the needs of of today what are some of those things that you might be looking for crop insurance is vitally important we know we know that right yeah. here in south texas we want to grow a crop we do not want to have a failure um, but we need crop insurance for those bad years they do come along every once in a while right yeah. Uh, trade is vital. Tom, in, in my part of the world, 100% of the corn I grow goes to Mexico. So yeah. losing, losing trade partners like that would be horrific. We Trade yeah. is trade is extremely important to us. Um, on Title I, we've got some challenges to work through. Uh, our prices have gone up significantly, mm -hmm. leaving our ARC and PLC to not be as helpful as they once were, right? So um, one of the big challenges there, though, is 
the price we're selling at has gone up, but our cost of production has almost tripled in a lot of places. Look at fertilizer. We're 250% over what we were spending last year on fertilizer. That's a huge number. Uh, So we've got some work to do there to figure out how to best support farmers trying to produce, you know, food and fiber for this nation. Yeah. Those are, those are really good thoughts. And I think very consistent with, with a lot of things that we hear, particularly this, this need to, you know, given what the input costs have done, where the reference prices in the farm bill are some, some way and need to make that more relevant. I, you know, I think it'll, it'll, it will, there'll be a cost associated with that from a, from a taxpayer standpoint. But if you make, I, I guess the, the belief we've always had is if you have a very relevant and robust safety net, um, it's better than the alternative of having to, having to you know, kind of uh, bail farmers out through ad hoc and kind of more costly forms of assistance. So that kind of a, uh, a, the, the, the planning upfront and the, and the building a safety net that will work through the hard times is gonna be a better investment of limited dollars uh, than 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 trying to make up for for massive losses on the back end. Uh, that's from kind of a governmental viewpoint from Washington D.C. How does that strike you uh, from from the ground, Jim? Would you agree with that? I agree with everything you've just said. We live in a great nation that was founded on food uh, security. Yeah. That was founded on energy. You know, um, we've got to look to the future with a growing population. And know that we have to support that security, right? So, yeah. yes, I completely agree with the way you're going. Yeah, that's that's very well said, actually. And and I think uh, those ideas of of we need to be secure as as a nation, we need to we need to be able to provide for the basic needs of our people. Those have probably only become more, you know, far more uh, prescient in the mind of 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 your average consumer over these past couple of years through the pandemic and where we've seen supply chains uh, threatened and we've, we've had the at least the specter of some kind of runs on the grocery store. But I think all of society is, is probably more aware at this point of, of the critical need of kind of getting it right uh, on our agricultural policy, making sure uh, that we have the productive capabilities to, that, will, that will keep the supply chain fed from its most important point, which is the source, which is uh, ultimately the farms and ranches of this great nation. But Jim, you've talked a little bit about your town um, and 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 obviously even your love for that has kind of bled through in your comments. You've talked about your worldview and and uh, and kind of being humbled uh, by by the uh, uh, you know difficult circumstances of a drought. But I just want to ask you this question, because I, I, I think I know the answer and I want our listeners to hear it. Jim, why is it you do what you do? Why is it you you farm? And uh, uh, as opposed to, to moving off to the city and, and maybe getting a, a, a higher pay and fancier uh, job, something like that, you are a wildly talented guy. So maybe just riff on that a little bit. Why is it you, you, you farm? You know, Tom, whenever I graduated college or during college, I don't I didn't think I would as a young man who was twenty years old, right? Yeah. And I took a job and moved and I I worked in a career for ten years. You mind that seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah. But I always had a love for 
the business, for farming, for producing something. It's a, it's a sense of accomplishment at the end of each day, right? You you can see what you've accomplished, and then you have to look up occasionally to be grateful for that because it's not just you. And I think I've made that pretty clear. Um, but I do love it, and my family loves it, and it's a um, it's a wonderful place to raise my daughter. Um, my wife grew up on a cattle ranch. Uh, our production, agriculture, and farming was very new to her, but the love of the land, it's home for us, for sure. I love it. And the work you do benefits so many. I mean, we, we hope, we pray that, that you can stick with it and, and, and make it good, honest living for your family. But it's the world, honestly, that benefits uh, that, that grain that you ship uh, to, to Mexico that's then processed and feeds needful populations um, is just so critically important. Jim, I, I can't say thanks enough for joining us today. It's, it's really been incredible and fun to dive a bit deeper into the profound impact that farmers and ranchers have on our food supply, like I said, on our economy. I hope that the rest of your harvest goes really well, better than expected, and that you have an opportunity to enjoy a bit of it uh, this fall uh, as well. That's gonna do it for this episode of Groundwork. I'm Tom Sell.